If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to One on One with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. So, what if your house of worship wasn't actually yours? What if the physical space belonged to someone else, someone from a completely different religion or faith? And you know what would be amazing? What if that didn't matter at all? What if it didn't matter one bit? It's people of faith who are there for each other. A Muslim helping out a Christian or a Christian helping out a Muslim doesn't matter. My own philosophy of life is that it doesn't matter to me what faith a person has. The most important thing is that we're all in this together. It's extremely important that we have each other's back and we're protecting each other's houses of worship. This has been a fantastic relationship. For Muslims, Ramadan is the holiest month of the year. And we're going to talk to someone involved with one of Philadelphia's mosques about what it's been like to celebrate Ramadan in this pandemic era and also hear how this particular mosque is able to exist thanks to some help they get from a pretty unexpected place. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina boyd Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. But first, let's bring in KYW News Radio's Nina Barati. Nina's been covering a food drive in honor of Ramadan. Hey, Nina, great to have you back. Thank you. So excited to be here. So... On the surface, Nina, this almost kind of sounds a little counterintuitive because we know Ramadan involves fasting, but Phil Abundance is doing a food drive this month for the holiday. How do the dots connect here? They are. So Phil Abundance gives out meals all year round. Uh, Senator Sharif Street, who, you know, he represents a big chunk of Philadelphia, he observes Ramadan and he, it was actually his idea uh, last year, this is the second time that they're doing it to bring awareness not only to uh, Ramadan, but for people in need. And it kind of came following the pandemic, which we knew in hindsight, you know, there was a lot of focus on food insecurity issues and it was really brought to the forefront. But during Ramadan, it's unique because you fast from sunup to sundown. Our work touched a lot of folks. The meals are prepared by Phil Abundance, prepackaged. People don't eat them there. We give them and they take them back. And the, the meals are designed to be healthy as well. So we're not just giving people food. Uh, We're not just addressing food insecurity, but we're making sure people receive uh, healthy meals. The one thing that he kind of introduced to me that I didn't think about it before was when the pandemic hit, a lot of Muslims, they realized like, uh, is fasting a good idea when we're in a pandemic? And uh, that's kind of how he started connecting the dots and decided, hey, let's do this this food distribution. So it's not like a food kitchen type things. Phil Abundance has all kinds of different resources. But for this specifically, they are donating 200 pre-made meals Every single day, they're going all around the city. Pretty much every neighborhood I saw has it. There's a huge list of it for all 30 days of Ramadan. Speaking of Ramadan, uh, a big part of it is to give back charity-wise. So this is a big charitable activity. So for people who, you know, if they are fortunate enough that they might not, might not need to rely on fill abundance, they can turn around and donate money or donate, you know, things that could go to food. So it's kind of a, you know, win-win situation for people who do observe Ramadan. That was a part of your story that stood out to me, that there's this fasting component to Ramadan, especially if you're Muslim, but also that if you're not able to, one way that you can fulfill part of your obligations during Ramadan is to give back and help distribute some food as well. 
Yeah, charity is a really big part of not just Ramadan, but of the Muslim just religion uh, in t- in total. It's just it's a, it's a pillar, if you will, for them. So for this, you know, giving back those finding those charitable things, what better way to give back than the basic just providing somebody with a meal? So that's kind of for Ramadan for someone. Not everybody might need to use filibon. So there might be people in the city or even outside the city who they observe Ramadan, but they want to give back. You know, this is their way of giving back to the community. It's for Ramadan, but we're not limiting it to it's in honor of Ramadan. But just like when we do toy giveaways at Christmas or turkey giveaways at Thanksgiving, we don't uh, ask people what what how whether they're celebrating the holiday. It's for anyone and everyone. We're just doing this in, in honor of Ramadan. So there are many Muslims who come, but there are many people who are not Muslim who participate. And I think that's an important part of it, too. I think it's important for the uh, whenever one of our communities are celebrating, uh, one of the Philadelphia traditions is that everyone sort of... Uh, get in the spirit of what's going on. For people who do observe Ramadan, uh, once you receive a meal, you could actually use it for when you break fast at night. So at the end of the night, if you want to use these meals that they're giving out, that's an option for you too, especially, you know, if you are a little food insecure and people are still picking up the pieces from the pandemic. So it's a good, good option for everybody all around. You mentioned that this is the second year of this Phil Abundance initiative. And one cool thing that the CEO of Phil Abundance, Lori Jones, talked about was how things have evolved, especially in terms of the type of meals that Phil Abundance is providing. In terms of what we've done differently from last year to this year, we are making sure that we provide healthier versions of the food that we provided. One piece of feedback we got is that people wanted more vegetarian options. Phil Abundance, um, we put out a new policy, a good food policy where we are redoubling our efforts to provide more nutritious food to people and more culturally diverse food. So this year, too, comes on the heels of us rolling out this good food policy. And again, the meals are healthy. And this year, we have more vegetarian options for people. Now, this food drive, like we talked about, is taking place in all different parts of the city. Did you get a sense, Nina, of how many people it's going to reach? Their goal was to hand out 200 pre-made meals every single day. So... If the math that we did correctly, and I'm going to blame the digital team if this is wrong because math is not my uh, best subject, I think it's around 6,000 meals. Uh, they were successful last that year. Right. That sounds right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> They're definitely trying to get a lot of attention on it. Still, Abundance does all kinds of things all year round, just to focusing on people who are food insecure and just to bring awareness to it. But especially for this time of year, Ramadan is such a holy time of year for Muslims. So getting able to get this free food, these free meals offered to them or getting the chance to uh, turn around and donate it to involve in that charitable activity. Like I said, it's just this is such a holy time of year. It's so special for this religion, but it also helps just any Philadelphian who needs something to eat. Did you get any sense, Nina, through your reporting, how many Philadelphians identify as Muslims, how many Muslims there are in the Philadelphia area? That is actually something that I asked Senator Street about. Independent groups have estimated that regionally there are about 500,000 Muslims in southeastern PA, about 300,000 of which people have estimated live in the city. There isn't really good data because that's not a question on the census or other things. And you can't tell by a person's name or ethnicity. So, but I would say, you know, some estimates are between on the low end, 20 percent of Philadelphia's population, the high end, about 33 percent. 
And, you know, there's only a couple of days left of Ramadan and Senator Sharif Street. He just really wanted to emphasize that these meals, they can go to absolutely anybody who needs them. No questions asked. If you need food, come out, find the location. You can go to his website. It's SenatorSharifStreet.com. He has a full list of locations. Find one near you or, you know, if you're able to drive to a different area of the city, sign up, grab a meal. And then once if you are Muslim and you want to use it to break your fast or if you know, at the end, they have a big party at the end just to, you know, hold on to the meal and add it to what you're going to be eating at the end of Ramadan. That's great. But also, um, you know, if you just need a meal, if you need something hot to bring home, something extra for your kids, or your family, this is open for absolutely anybody. It's something very easy to take advantage of, especially if you are food insecure. And as always, if you want to give back to your community, Phil Abundance is a great place to do that for. Nina, thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks, Brian. Always a pleasure. As Nina said, Jay, only a couple days are left in Ramadan. It ends on Sunday at sundown. And man, I can't even imagine what it would be like to go through a whole month of having to fast. I'm Jewish. I observe Yom Kippur. And I struggle with one day. Again, I can't wrap my mind around doing it for a time as long as a month. How to be able to do that and keep that sort of thing up for one month, I have no idea. And I have nothing but respect for them. But we will talk to someone who can give us a firsthand perspective, of not only about what it's like to fast every day from sunup to sundown for an entire month, but also how celebrating Ramadan fulfills the spirit. Plus, there's a really cool twist to this story that you'll definitely want to hear. That's coming up after this. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. Now, as we heard from State Senator Sharif Street, there is a sizable Muslim population here in the city of Philadelphia. And you're likely to see mosques all over different parts of the city. So let's bring in someone involved with one of them, Muhammad Sharif with the Center City Mosque. Muhammad, it's good to have you with us today. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, being here. And Muhammad, how has Center City Mosque been observing Ramadan this year? Well, just a quick intro about the Center Center City Mosque. We are an initiative. We're trying to actually build or purchase a property to become a mosque. Right now, we are uh, using the back of a church at 21 South 13th Street uh, in Philadelphia, and we hold service for Friday prayer once a week. And this this Ramadan has been a special Ramadan because this is the first time in about two years that we can open up the doors a little bit earlier and have people come in and offer their prayers and meditate and read Quran. Uh, because we have the luxury of uh, the uh, the limitations for, for the coronavirus being lifted a bit. Also, we also have more people coming as well. So it's, uh, it's a phenomenal time of the year for us. So you brought that up. How did the pandemic change the way Ramadan was observed over the last couple of years? How did COVID complicate these things? Typically, it's a very uh, social time of the year. It's 30 days, between 28, uh, 29, 30 days of, uh, of fasting and going to the, the mosque for a communal uh, prayer. Since we had uh, the coronavirus, numbers were limited. So the amount of people in a mosque had to be uh, decreased. Uh, and then there was a time where we were not able to even go to the mosque because we were in lockdown. So specifically for, for Ramadan, people were not able to go and meet their family members or go from house to house and and, and break their fast uh, with, their, with their family, friends, and their loved ones. This year has been different, and it definitely makes it so much more special and we are a lot more grateful to have these connections uh, with our friends and families and, and see them face to face. We didn't see the people around us. We didn't have that energy that we usually have. And thankfully, this year, it's definitely coming back 
like he used to be. Mohammed, something that you said just caught my ear right off the bat that you guys currently rent a facility at a church, which on the surface to some people may sound totally wild and maybe in some ways counterintuitive. Can you explain that for us? How did that arrangement come about and where are you guys going? So I believe it started in the 1990s where a lot of the Muslim professionals from the Jefferson Hospital and people who owned businesses around on Chestnut Street were looking for a place to pray communally during work hours between 9 and 5 at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. And they were going from one place to the other, but the numbers would be too large. So 50 people, 100 people, 150 people would be too big for a space. And we were blessed to meet Father John Daya, and he was able to, to provide uh, a place in the church that could uh, not only hold the amount of people that we needed to be there for, for Friday prayer, but also the facilities. Because prior to the prayer, you have to do what they call wudu or ablution. And you have to have a you know a restroom and a sink and, and and properly wash your body prior to uh, the prayer so that you're in a pure state. That being said, this is I guess more of a a, a deeper context. Uh, people of faith are there for each other. If it's someone who's Jewish or Christian or Muslim or Sikh or Hindu, we are, we're there for each other. We see each other as people of faith, and definitely uh, Father John Dye is. Has has been there for us, uh, and and helping our helping out our community. If you look at other countries where, uh, unfortunately, people of faith are being oppressed, you know we're so much we're so thankful for what we have. If you specifically look at our demographic in the Center City Mosque, you have individuals who are from China, those are who are from India, where in India they're bulldozing mosques and and the government is shutting down uh, a lot of uh, uh, Muslim worshippers, as well as in China where millions of Muslims are now in what they call concentration camps or labor camps. And believe it or not, individuals from those countries come to our mosque. We're very diverse. And to live in a country and to be in a city that promotes faith-based establishments, we're extremely blessed to have that. So it may seem maybe a little bit weird on the surface, but if if you go deeper down into it, it's people of faith who are there for each other. A Muslim helping out a Christian or a Christian helping out a Muslim doesn't matter. It's extremely important that we have each other and uh, each other's back and we, we're protecting each other's houses of worship. And you mentioned his name. We will welcome in now Father John Daya, the pastor of St. John the Evangelist. So, Father John, how did your relationship with Muhammad begin with Center City Mosque? Well, this started about eight, nine years ago, and I did not know uh, Muhammad at that time, but there was another individual in the group. His name was Sahir. He came to our office uh, the one day and asked if we had space that they might be able to use for their prayer. Uh, I showed him the uh, meeting room where where the uh, Muslims now pray every Friday, and it seemed to be really ideal. And it was in, in subsequent years then, uh, Muhammad came onto the scene, and that's how I, that's how I met him. As Muhammad just explained there, it's not as strange as people probably would realize to see Muslims and Christians working together like this. On the surface, however, there are people who would seemingly be surprised to hear that a church is providing Muslims a space to worship. So when it comes to what's going on at St. John's, what was it that led you to feel compelled to help, compelled to welcome them in? Well, a couple of things. First of all, our our theme or our motto at St. John's is all are welcome. And so we welcome everyone, 
It doesn't matter their race, their sexual orientation. It doesn't matter whether male, female. It doesn't matter what faith they are. So that that's the theme that we that we pride ourselves on. All are welcome. It's a, it's a diverse community. But regarding uh, Mohammed and the uh, Muslims, it's kind of what Mohammed just said that we're there for each other. And it, my own philosophy of life is that it doesn't matter to me what faith a person has. The most important thing is that we're all in this together. You know, we, we are believers, so we are faithful people, and we're, we're called to help each other and support each other. And I, 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 this has been a fantastic relationship. And for me, uh, over the past uh, eight, nine years, I've gotten to meet several of the uh, individuals who come for prayer, and I know them on the streets now, and we greet each other. And it, it's just a great bonding and uh, connection between, uh, between people, in which I think is so very important. And so I said, it doesn't matter. A faith tradition that doesn't matter. The most important thing is that that we're there for each other, and and it's so important that we respect each other and each other's faith. It sounds like both of you really gained so much from this. Oh, definitely, one hundred percent. I work in Center City, Philadelphia, in a very corporate environment where it's an extremely uh, how do you say consumption sales capitalist uh, nonstop uh, from nine to five, where you don't even have five minutes to remember. Your, your, your parents giving them a phone call or breaking part of the day so that you make sure that you do your midday prayer. And the fact that we have a safe haven to go to a place of solace uh, at, at the church means a lot, tremendous amount. Uh, we're now we're not looking at each other as someone as a senior director, or vice president, manager. You're looking at someone as simply as just a human being who's there to worship their Lord. You're not looking at how much money they have or what they're wearing. It's a real equilibrium for people that is extremely unique that you see in several houses of worship. Yeah, well, first of all, I've gained friendships, for one thing. And the other thing is I, I gained a knowledge of uh, the whole um, Muslim tradition. There are, not a th- there are a lot of things I did not know. And getting to meet the members of the community and just learning about some of their tradition has been a great education for me. It's uh, been a great, a great relationship. Father John, going back to something that you said, this concept of we're all in this together, it sounds simple, it's easy to say, (laughs) it just seems so hard for people to do these days. Like That should be such a universal and easy thing, I think, for all of us to grasp. What could be an entry point? Like, (laughs) I, I, I feel silly, like kind of chuckling there, but to open our minds, to help enter us into this mindset of being all in this together... What do you think we as a society, as a people, can do a better job at just to get ourselves thinking along that track? Well, uh, one of the things I, I, I think I think's happened is that people in the area know that this is the mosque for the Muslim community. And, and I think people are so very much cognizant of the fact that, that the Muslim tradition comes here to St. John's every Friday. So I think one of the ways that we might be able to combat some of the resistance or some of the prejudice or, or help people realize we're, uh, we're there for each other is by example. I mean, I think that's the greatest, the greatest uh, message that could be spread, that people see both of these communities, the Catholic community of St. John's and the Muslim community coming to prayer, that we uh, are bonding with each other. And I think that that example speaks greatly. It's unfortunate that, you know, we can't change the minds of a lot of people and have people be more accepting of each other, but this is our small way of doing it. 
Mohammed, I want to go back to what it's like to observe Ramadan. Now, what is the toll that it takes on you, the mental toll, the physical toll, the spiritually? What does this do for you to fast like this every day for a month? I get asked that question quite a bit, especially at work, because there's two things I want to say. Firstly, uh, if you ever have an automobile and you got to take it in for a tune-up, right, once a year, Ramadan is like that tune-up for your faith. It's one month of where now you don't have the distraction of food. You don't have the distraction of a lot of other things where now you're focusing every day on worshiping your Lord to the point where you're not separating yourself from your friends during lunchtime. You're making sure that you're going to the mosque more often. And it's a, it's a real internal test for the first you know couple of days. After that, you definitely get used to it. And then secondly, what's so specific about Ramadan is really separating yourself from the distractions you have on a daily basis so that you know the worship, you, you know the purpose of why, why you exist. And why that's so important now is that we see so much loneliness going on from COVID where people just, you know, they're, they're not going to class anymore. They're doing everything remotely. They're not going to work anymore. Everything's remote, right? And people just feel lonely or they're, they're disconnected. They're not getting that face-to-face interaction with individuals. And you can easily just get lost. Ramadan's a time where you really question, why am I doing what am I doing? Why am I doing what I do every day? And it, it really pushes the Muslim to realize we're here to worship our Lord and trying to perfect or improve on who we are every day. And then after the month's over, 11 months later, Ramadan comes again. And we always pray that God gives us enough life to reach the next Ramadan because we always want to tune up that auto- automobile, right? So that we're always operating at our full capacity and we're not breaking down on the side of the road. I feel like there are elements of that, Mohammed, that you could take away even if you're not Muslim and maybe don't celebrate Ramadan, but maybe you just start once a year having a couple days where you reconnect with yourself, you know, and you separate from distractions. Think about why you do what you do. I mean, the way you just talked about that made me think like I could use one of those just like a self-reflection day or week or month or something like that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't mean to be humorous, but Father John knows me. I crack jokes all the time. I'm a big uh, Peloton person and I, I, I like the Peloton app. And there's always those five minute classes where they remind you to meditate or to think or yep. stretch and yeah. breathe deep for 30 seconds and breathe out. And that's kind of um, a tune-up in itself, right? A lot of the self-care movement. I'm not talking about the glamorous self-care where you have to buy really the expensive clothing and all the fitness mats. I'm talking about the simple self-care, just taking time out and being mindful of where you are. All these things c- come into play. As, as a Muslim, you know, we're, we're required for those who, who can physically uh, fast. So you're not sick, you're not traveling, you're not, you know, you're not pregnant. Someone who's a very older age or someone who's, you know, healthy and can fast, we're required for these, uh, for this month to fast. But definitely the elements of fasting in this month carry through with all these types of uh, meditation, yoga, uh, just self-mindfulness is extremely important. So much of a story like this the thing that jumps out is how, in this case, people of different faiths, it's being seen and used as a way to bring people together. Because so often, so many things these days are divisive, and so many things are used to split people up, including religion in a lot of cases. 
What should someone who's listening to this podcast right now take away from this partnership that Center City Mosque and St. John have? Well, I think they should take away the fact that different people of different peoples of different cultures and faith traditions can really get along well with each other and and make an impact, not only in each other's lives, but in the lives of of so many people. So I think um, what uh, they should take away is the fact that these two groups made it work. And it's just a matter of a matter of effort, uh, a matter of respect, a matter of welcome. And you do those things and a lot of things can happen. And Mohammed, how about you? Definitely um, mutual respect for each other. I can give a quick example, especially in Philadelphia. You have three row homes and all of a sudden an investor comes and buys the middle one and they build like a five-story multifamily unit. Is that being respectful to your neighbor? You know, did you even ask your neighbor, do they want us to build this house like that? It's just my, being mindful of who your neighbor is, is extremely important when it comes to mutual respect. And then secondly, uh, humility. Really, really being humble, putting the other person before you is very, very important. I don't think we would be where we are today, myself and Father John, at the church, if it was not that we put someone else before ourselves and that we humbled ourselves. We didn't say that, oh, I'm Muslim, you're not Muslim, so you're lower than me. No, we're all equal. And it's extremely important that we, we, we spread that message, you know, all over, but especially in the city of Philadelphia. Muhammad Sharif and Father John Daya, thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you check down in the show notes for more information about St. John the Evangelist as well as the Center City Mosque. That'll do it for this Wednesday. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Serka. I'm Brian Seltzer. Thank you for letting us help you get over this hump on this Wednesday. We'll be back again tomorrow to get you started on Thursday.